0: They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combine for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network.
1: Welcome in episode 85, Train and Gross. B-Train, Bertram Berry, Mike Gross coming to you from train station in downtown Phoenix. Sean Crespin along. Good to have everybody together. Now, we always do this because we record and then it gets released. We have to set the time and date. So if we say something that doesn't make any sense or is out of context or like, hey, you dummy, the the Seahawks (laughs) actually upset the Broncos.
2: (laughs) We are recording
1: this on Monday afternoon after the opening week of the NFL season after a uh, a tough week for some teams in college football. But before the Seahawks and the Broncos play yeah. Monday Night Football in Russell Wilson's return to the Pacific Northwest, I want to talk a little bit about that. But first and foremost, episode 85, I uh, went into the, uh, the, the online repository of information. I found three names that jumped out at me. Okay. Number 85. One more of a, um, more of a sentimental pick okay. than anything else. Uh, Art Monk. Yes. One of the all-time greats. Yes. Uh, Jack Youngblood, Wow, one of the all-time greats. Wow, And then the third one I pulled, a good player in his own right, but a lot of us grew up learning about football and the highlight shows with Nick Bonacani, his wow. show with Len Dawson.
2: The no-name defense, Miami the Dolphins. Ma- he was
1: part of that great Miami. Yeah. Re- but God rest his soul. Absolute, But a lot of people learned about him with Len Dawson yes. all those years yes. inside the NFL. That's right. And, and that one, and I saw that. Len Dawson passed away recently, obviously. They talked about that yesterday on the Chiefs-Cardinals game. And so that kind of uh, stuck with me uh, because a lot, you know, for me growing up in the 70s, mm-hmm. this week in baseball, Mel Allen, you know, wow. I know that mu- if I heard that music right now, right. that would strike that chord. Like you'd flash back to being a 10 year old kid yep. growing up in Detroit saying, I hope the Tigers are on this. Yeah. We get to see some of the previews. That's good. Let me see the bird or whatever. That's good. Um, and, and I think, you know, this is the advent of cable TV in the early days yeah. and really the beginning of mass marketing
2: of the NFL. Man. And two former greats telling the story. I think it's it's, it's always good, Mike, to have those points of reference where you can go back and think to a time where you could count on certain people giving you the narrative, mm-hmm. and you trusted those people, and you knew that they were going to deliver week in, week out. They were going to give you exactly what you were looking for because they were very consistent in their delivery. And and the thing about football back then is, yeah, it may not have been as exciting. You, you mm-hmm. didn't have as many great players all, on different teams and as many teams as there are now, but – Man, the, the the fact that it, you had those familiar voices, you could you could close your eyes, Mike, and you can hear those voices right now. Mm-hmm. If you really stopped and really thought about it long and hard enough, you could almost do a show yourself, just mimicking both of those guys. If you had like somebody that was in your neighborhood and you guys sat around and watched that absolutely. show, absolutely, you could you both could sit and okay, you you do Nick Bonacini, you do Lynn Dawson, yeah. and and you can get through the whole show and and, and really reenact a lot of what they were doing. So uh, it's something to be said about those old staples that that used to call the game and and really paint the picture that we used to love to see so well.
1: A hundred percent. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. Uh, and, you know, growing up in whatever your, your hometown is, where you listen to your sports. Right. Uh, you know, for me growing up in Detroit and, and you know, the, the baseball announcers yep. late at night or whatever yep. it is. Oh, I mentioned a minute ago this week in baseball with Mel Allen. How about that? You know, and you talk about mm. the Twib notes. and yeah. I mean, that was in the 70s and I still remember that. All right. Right? All right. And so you're 100% right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just you, – you, you and your boys could do it and it takes you back to a certain place growing up. And why we love sports so much. A simpler
2: and time, a happier time. There you go.
1: I love that. Come on. All right, so we got a lot to, to get to, and I don't even know where to start. Usually we talk about it, and obviously we're based out of Phoenix, Arizona, and we spend a lot of time talking local sports, and certainly we need to digest – what we saw yesterday on the field from the Mm. Arizona Cardinals. Mm. But it's week one around the NFL. So many great stories. I mean, depending on what side of of those storylines you come down on. The opening uh, games yesterday, the early games for us here in Arizona, the 10 a.m. games, there was some great – I mean, that that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game was amazing. Classic. Houston
2: Houston and uh, and Indianapolis.
1: Indianapolis. Yeah, we talked – somebody's got to win the NFC South. (laughs) I mean, you look at – at how that played out, you you and I we were texting back and forth and said something about hey look at special teams now you think they don't matter absolutely um, and then we got to talk about college football oh uh, gosh. college football was a fascinating weekend yes uh, concluded on Saturday uh, Saturday night down in Tucson um, with Arizona losing to Mississippi State but all the way back to those early games I was. You know, so much to get to, and we probably won't get it all, but we'll do our best here as we go along. No doubt. Um, but I got to ask you this because you uh, and uh, and Sean and I, we've talked about and we texted back and forth the the bus three story that you told uh, <laughs> when, about you know guys that uh, wear uh, uh, outfits to the game that are questionable. and they are questionable. Yeah. And I sent you – after Sean sent a picture out of of somebody who was bust (laughs) three-worthy, I sent you guys a picture of – and I did look it up afterward. It was uh, Trey McBride, the Cardinals rookie. Rookie tight end. And Sean – you know, he, he, he sometimes you know this. Sean sometimes doesn't get into our text back and forth, but he All actually right. made me laugh with his reply. I texted a picture of, of young Mr. McBride getting ready to, to roll into the stadium. My man looked like he was that kid that works at a supermarket or Seven Eleven or something like that that's rolling in <laughs> 10 minutes late to start <laughs> his shift. I mean, I don't know what he was wearing. Uh, it looked like he had on a a, a mismatched uh, swimsuit, yeah. dirty tennis shoes. Bad head. And, and Sean <laughs> – Sean wrote back. Dude didn't go home last night. That's her sweatshirt. with the <laughs> it, it, It's some kind of purple and light blue, and it's like a tie dye. Tie dye look. A oh. it, it was no, just it's ridiculous. Good. He's got his backpack. His hair's all messy, and he's giving like a half ass thumbs up, like walking into the stadium. So my yeah. question to you is: mm. Obviously, when you were on the road, there were you. You had a dress code expectation for and, most coaches. For, for most coaches, yes. when you played home games. Mm. Did it matter, like, you know, because you drive yourself to the stadium. Yes. You, you park down low there at the University of Phoenix Stadium. Yep. You come in underneath and, and make your way to lock. Does it matter what you wear to a home game? Does it matter what you wear as
2: a rookie to the home opener? I think it matters. Yes. Yes and yes. I think it matters what you wear, Mike, because they always say you got to dress for the job you want. And when you start talking about being a professional, at some point – If you are in the NFL and you are a professional, then you should look the role. I'm not saying you have to come in a three-piece suit at a home game. Sure. But maybe a nice polo. You don't even have to come with slacks, but come with a nice shirt. Look well-kept. Be groomed. There's no excuse, Mike, to not look like a million dollars because you're being paid a million dollars. So you should look like the job that you want, and the job that you want is to be a professional athlete making a lot of money. So you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt from the the, the the common fan, is like, why do you look like that? That's my job to look like that. I'm the one that's rolling out on, on Sunday afternoon, maybe rolling out of bed and, and, and turning on the TV at home. But you're yeah. actually going to work at the State Farm Stadium, and you look worse than I do. And social right
1: media being what it is, oh. the Cardinals' social media staff oh. is snapping pictures but of these guys. But they could have though. They, they could have kept post, that one off. They didn't have to post they that. They could have kept that so one off.
2: So that was a bad look by both sides. Yeah. Make, you know, everybody else look good. Yeah, everybody, everybody else, else look good. But you, but you got to have the hair right, Mike. I mean, come on. Of all things, your, uniform, your, your outfit is subjective. Everybody doesn't have the same taste. <laughs> so,
1: Dude, if you're wearing swim trunks and your girlfriend's sweatshirt, <laughs> like there's objective. I understand that. What you look good in, I might not look you good in. You say
2: coming in looking like Mike Phelps? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, not Absolutely. a good look. My but but you, you do have to have some sort of of style to yourself, some sort of uniformity, if you will. You're a grown man. Yes, we're playing a kid's game, but you do have to look like an adult to some degree. And I know that he will, I'm sure, hear it from his teammates going forward, and I don't think you'll see him looking quite that, uh, that way. Anytime soon.
1: I think I'm the only one here that's been watching Hard Knocks. um, And I was thinking of that picture, Mm. and I watched the final episode of Hard Knocks last night. Okay. It's always the hard one when dudes are getting cut, Uh, you know. But one one of the guys that made it, and he was going to make it, but really made a name for himself on the Lions this training camp and and, and in the opening game yesterday, a linebacker from Oklahoma State, Malcolm Rodriguez. Okay. And he's from small-town Oklahoma. Okay. And he finds himself in Detroit. Wow. Right, so you talk about a little bit of a culture shock, but he's adjusting nicely. Okay, and and they actually said of all the Detroit Lion jerseys, this kid who was a mid-round draft pick out of Oklahoma State, he's the number two selling jersey for the Detroit Lions this year. He rolled into a uh, a Western wear uh, mm. in, in in Southwest Detroit, and uh, he bought the ostrich boots, oh, the fancy hat. No, like he had the Texas look going. No, no. Hey, but to your point, you got to have a look. He looks better. I'm just saying he looks better than Trey McBride. I'm.
2: am just. Yeah, he looked better than Trey McBride. But again, you don't have to. Over, you don't have to go over the top. But just a nice polo, some nice jeans, crisp shoes. Just look like you. are ready to. You look like you got a little something in the pocket.
1: And from what I understand, you, your jacket should have a collar on it. From what I've been told.
2: Absolutely, and no bolo ties. You know what I'm saying? None of those. We're not having that.
1: All, All right, uh, we put it off long enough. Uh, Cardinals, Chiefs yesterday. Look. Yeah. This was going to be a tough tough task, a tall order, whatever you want to call it anyway, for the cardinals full strength if they were full strength yep. if they were prepared yep uh they looked they looked on none of that, yep, and the chiefs looked all of that
2: yeah mike i took- I took away a lot of different points from this game. The one thing that I couldn't help but notice right away when i I'm sitting down and I'm watching this game is that Patrick Mahomes is ready to blow up the entire NFL. Everybody talked about him not having Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. What is this offense going to look like? Yep. Did they forget that he had Travis Kelsey? Did they forget he had Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire? Right. Did they forget that he had a lot of good re- wide receivers already on that team? And, and they only added more pieces to it. Yeah, they're, they're not the breakaway game changer like, like Tyreek Hill, but these are good players. And nine different receivers caught balls. Yeah, from 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 Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Thirty of thirty-nine, Mike. Five TDs, no sacks, no no picks. Mike, he looked like he was in Friday practice out there. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know if you guys caught this at the end, towards the end of the broadcast. Jim Nance asked uh, Tony Romo, who's growing on me, by the way. Tony, Is he? yeah, Tony Romo's growing on me. I'm not all the way there yet, mm-hmm. but he's growing on me. But he asked me, he asked Tony Romo. What's your takeaway here? Like just a a beautiful, open-ended, take this wherever you want to go. And he said essentially what you said. He said, this is more of a reflection of where the Chiefs are at than a negative reflection on the Cardinals. And he said, Patrick Mahomes read everything about him and his wide receivers. And he is going to be on a mission. Score he goes. Start, this will not be the last time you no. see this type of performance out of Patrick Mahomes this year. Not to, and he did. He he came down on the Cardinals in the second half of that. Sure. But he said this is more the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. than the Arizona Cardinals, and this is Patrick Mahomes looking at the contracts that have been handed out and all the talk about all the different quarterbacks and saying. Don't forget me.
2: You don't forget about me. Don't you forget about me. The old song in the 80s yes, from The it was. Club. Uh, but the thing that, Mike, the, the big picture from the Cardinals standpoint is, Mike, they look ill-prepared to play. Oh, absolutely. They got pushed around. They look disinterested. And they looked unorganized. And that's the thing that you cannot be in the first game. All of the energy that you've put in since last January, since you took that loss at SoFi Stadium, everything – going forward, was supposed to be a setup for what we saw yesterday. And they came out flat as a pancake, Mike. You saw a defense that got pushed around in the running game. You saw the middle of that defense looked inept as far as trying to cover anybody, especially Travis Kelsey. He feasted on whatever defense they tried to throw at him. And why in the world would you ever go man-to-man against uh, Patrick Mahomes? He is going to absolutely eat it for lunch. Once he diagnoses what you're doing, he's going to eat it up. And Travis Kelsey is a matchup nightmare. And the biggest thing about this, Mike, and I know I'm being a little long-winded, but I, I just need to get this out. The biggest thing about this is, Mike, this doesn't let up. No. Because you go from Kansas City to the Raiders, yeah. who, by the way, have a All-Pro tight end in Darren Waller. You got a lot of good pieces in yeah. Renfro. Uh, you you've got uh, Devontae Adams, the best receiver arguably in the NFL right now. There, there there are so many Derek Carr, who's trying to you know establish himself right. as one of the top quarterbacks. Josh Jacobs. I mean, there are so many weapons on the Las Vegas Raiders offense that, Mike, this may be a repeat of what we just saw.
1: Well, and they're going to be mad because of what happened to them yesterday on top of everything else. So you're absolutely right. Going back to Patrick Mahomes. Threw the ball 39 times, only had nine incompletions. Nine incompletions all day. Improvised, couple of just amazing on-the-fly uh, uh, players. And to your point, distributed the ball all over the field. Nine players. All over the field. Mike. And, and, and again,
0: mm-hmm. he,
1: who, who, who was the catalyst of the Chiefs in the past? It wasn't some wide receiver that got a big contract someplace else. It was me. Yeah. That was the message that I saw yesterday. Absolutely. It's set, still me. Set aside, because you're 100% right about what you saw with the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I was one. And mm. I said, hey, maybe this is the year the Chargers overtake the Chiefs. And maybe they do. Mm. But I don't think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to give up that title willingly.
2: Mike, they ran 66 plays yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs on offense. Mm-hmm. They had 33 first down. 33 first downs,
1: Mike. It was me. ridiculous. And, and, and as I said, you can dissect it on both ends. You know, was it the Cardinals' defense or was it the Chiefs' offense? And you can answer yes and be correct.
2: But I mean, Mike, it looked like a Friday practice. It looked like a, a practice where they knew exactly what the defense was doing and they had the perfect play every single time. Patrick Mahomes was so locked in. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his ability to notice what's coming at him. Everybody gives Tom Brady, everybody gives Aaron Rodgers all this credit, but I think for Patrick Mahomes, he's as intelligent as those guys. He may not have quite the 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 knowledge and and experience that they have because these guys are are sixteen plus years. Right. But the fact that he's basically seen just about everything thrown at his at his offense and he's in a place now where not only can he recognize it, he's going to make you pay. Mike, there was, a, there was a throw that he made to Travis Kelsey sometime in the second half. Mike, I, th- there was no defense for that, that throw. Uh-huh. It was a perfect throw and catch. Like, I don't think he could have handed the ball any better to Travis Kelsey in that situation. And, and to have this guy that dialed in, that locked in, without playing really a snap in the preseason. I mean, I think he played a couple series, but to not get a lot of reps and then to come out and do what he did, Mike, this, this, is, this is scary on what he's going to be going forward.
1: So I asked you before we started recording, and the frustrating part for Cardinals fans, and, and this, I mean, again, it's week one. You have to avoid the overreactions sure. in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of these situations. But I think when you see a trend, yep. you can understand which way you're headed. Yep. And you can say what you want about Cliff Kingsbury. You can say what you want about Kyler Murray. You can say what you want about individual players. Well, no. That's where I'm going. Oh, okay. Who put this roster together? Who's been the constant before Kyler got here, before Cliff got here? Yeah, that's right. And allowed some of these veteran players to leave? Yep. And you look at the imp- – I'm, I'm going right to the linebacker play. There you go. I'm going right to the linebacker play, and this is from the, the team over at uh, PNX uh, that covers the Cardinals, Johnny uh, Venerable. They, they do a great job covering the Cardinals. Dennis Gardick had the best overall day for any singular Cardinal grading out above 90. Rashard Lawrence was right behind him. The rest of this linebacking corps, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Nick Vigil, Zeke Turner, Tanner Vallejo. Where the hell were they? And this is the group that the general manager put together. Yeah. Right? And if if you are going to get linebacker play
2: like this week in and week out, the rest of this doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Mike, I'm telling you. When you look at how Travis Kelsey was able to own the middle of the field, if you're a Las Vegas Raider, if you're Darren Waller, you're looking at that film, you're absolutely licking your chops right now. You cannot wait for the Arizona Cardinals to roll into Las Vegas yeah. next next week and understand that he's going to be trying to he's going to try to do the same things Why wouldn't he? to Isaiah Simmons that, that Travis Kelsey was doing. Because there were times where it just it, it looked like it, it wasn't a fair fight. It just it looked like one guy did not deserve to be on the field. And we're talking about a guy that's the actual signal caller for the defense right now for the Arizona Cardinals. And he looked completely inept, Mike. He looked like he didn't belong on the field. Year three. Year three. This is supposed to be the year you make that ascension to the top of of the defense and and be that guy and – we just haven't seen it, Mike.
1: Dennis Gardick is a guy, and I'm taking nothing away from the, the, the young man. Love like, Dennis. Love Dennis Gardick, the like yep. high-energy motor yep. guy. Yep. Made his name on special teams Absolutely. because he's a D2 guy. Yep. Got a chance to come in. Yep. Made a name for himself. Make the most st- of it. Stuck. Yep. Injuries. Started playing linebacker. The rest, as they say, is history. Coming off a knee injury. Yep. And he is the highest rate. And you saw him on the field last yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Like, you didn't question where Dennis Gardick was, in my mind, at any point during that game. No question. So, taking nothing away from him. But you don't get credit for, for – Dennis Gardick, somebody probably called you up and said, hey, I got this D2 kid. Give him a chance. Right. Right? So, fine. You did that. But these other guys, Colin Simmons, like, you spent money on, on vigil. Like, these are guys – You know, these are guys that the general manager, the scout, they went out and found these guys, made a decision and bought them in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and decided to let other guys go at the same time because we're ready to go with Zayvon Collins. We're ready to go with Isaiah Simmons. Mm. And to me, like, you can look at some teams around the NFL and we've questioned that and wonder if it's a good combination. There is no – there is no question about who's making player personnel decisions for the Arizona Cardinals. That's right. I, I, you know, I was, again, watching Hard Knocks, and they showed how the head coach and the GM are in the room and they're making decisions on the board, keep this guy, let that mm. guy go. I don't think that happens with the Cardinals. I honestly don't. I think that Cliff Kingsbury does what he's told, and I think he gets – here's your 53. Right. Good luck with you. Good luck with right? you. So, like, so – and we can have our section of the program where we, we talk about Cliff Kingsbury and what sure. his, his responsibility is here. Sure. But Steve Kime dates this before Cliff got here. Absolutely. So you know this is a trend. This is this is what we've had from the Cardinals before Cliff Kingsbury was here. A lot of personnel questions, and Steve Kime used to dodge a bullet here, or dodge a bullet there because he'd make a veteran sign and he'd be like, damn, that was a good signing."
2: Or he'd have some 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 diamonds in the rough, some third round picks that that really hit and were able to to offset some of the the first round mistakes, if you want to say that. That's, that's being kind. I mean, okay, so I. I look at this this season, and I just wonder, Mike. There were people that were talking about this team was going to win 13, 14 games this year, and I'm thinking, do they want to reassess their their, their win total for the Arizona Cardinals? Because Mike, I don't I don't see it. I didn't see it before the season started. I don't see it after this game. I know it's overreaction Monday, but wow. Mike, this is just a sign of things to come. I don't see this team really getting that much better, even when you bring back DeAndre Hopkins, even when you bring back J.J. Watt. I, I don't know, or Rondell Moore. I, I don't know if the, those men are going to make that big of a difference based on what we've seen and, and what the other teams are going to be throwing well, out. And, and
1: that's part of the problem that I have here from a personnel standpoint. Like, at, at some point, you know, and again, you, you know, take the DeAndre Hopkins situation as bad as it is out of the equation because that's DeAndre Hopkins' fault. Right. So let's be really clear about that. But some of the other things, like, you know, J.J. Watt, I mean, newsflash, did you know he was old? mm like, right? you know, uh, mm. did, did you know this was going to be an issue? Mm. Like, you have to plan. Like, dudes get old, dudes break down, dudes aren't available, right? That's right. a that's a fact of life in the NFL, right? Yeah. And so if you're putting all your eggs in your defensive line basket on that, shame on you. Don't be surprised when that happens. Rondell Moore, going back to his time in Peru. Uh, Purdue. Peru. Purdue. Yeah. He wasn't the most healthy guy in the yeah. world, and that's probably why you got him where you got him, because he had questions
2: about injuries. Mike, we're, we're sitting here talking about all of these other pieces. We haven't talked about maybe the most important piece, the guy that's wearing number 55 in Las Vegas right now. You not think he is going to be motivated to play against his old team that didn't want to bring him back, that thought he was a little too pricey for what they wanted to do. That's one Chandler Jones. And mm-hmm. you throw in he's got a sidekick or a, a, a coach Co guy in 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 Max Crosby, Mike. It, it's if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm I'm a little nervous about this game. You better have your head on a swivel because uh, it's a better pass rush yeah. than what they just saw in Kansas City. Oh yeah. and they got after him. Yeah. So there there are no there are no homecomings on the schedule for this year for the Arizona Cardinals. And Mike, I'll just say this too: another takeaway that I got from this first week was you've got the AFC and then you've got the JV NFC. Ooh. The AFC looks so much stronger than the NFC. We saw it right in the first kickoff game Thursday when you had the Rams and the Buffalo Bills. It looked like a mismatch. Josh Allen and company pushed around the Los Angeles Rams. Physically. Physically, mentally, however you want to look at it, Josh Allen looked like an unstoppable force. He looked like Megatron out there. He looked like a a machine, a guy that just couldn't be stopped. And they did whatever they wanted to do. to the Los Angeles Rams, and they
1: had they they had Von Miller, who was just what you described. What the Cardinals are going to see, motivated. Remember me, motivated. What was that thing on the back of his head? Like did his barber uh, left a triangle not sure. back there. Uh,
2: I mean, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it looked like the Luxor Hotel symbol. I mean, I'm not even sure what that uh, is. but uh, No,
1: but uh, and it and didn't I, affect
2: his play. That's
1: for no, sure. no, that's for <laughs> darn sure. And, and I think I think the uh, the Chiefs had a har- have a harder road to it, mm. but you know, and again, it's overreaction Monday here. And you look at at Kansas City and, and Buffalo, the statements that they made week one, you know it, when you look at the overlap and even the games that weren 't involved in you know cross uh, conference play, um, clearly the the quality caliber of play head and shoulders better, like even looking at the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game, special teams notwithstanding you can see that uh, the only the only and I think it was an asterisk more than anything else, I do not understand, and maybe it 's an issue in Tennessee. Back-to-back week ones, they lost to the Cardinals a year ago who turned out to be an inferior team to the Titans. And they the, they lost to the Giants? Giants. They, to, they lose to the Went Giants. For two.
2: Went for two. I yeah. love the ballsy call, Mike. I love it too. But That, that takes big onions to but do that.
1: It does, and, and credit to them. But when you think about it, there's no reason why the Giants should be in a game or the Titans should let the Giants be in a game with them. But like I said, maybe it's week one issues with Tennessee back-to-back years. We'll get to the other stories sure. around football real quickly before we go to it. I don't know. Like, you know, to your point, you, you look at this schedule, uh, and, I don't. you know, it's hard to tell, uh, you know, where your hardest games are, where the challenges are. But this back-to-back-to-back stretch, you've got the, what you saw yesterday. Mm. It was 44-21. It wasn't that close. No. You've got the Raiders on the road next week.
2: Motivated after a loss.
1: Uh, motivated after a loss. A quality team out of a, a division that, you Every know, win counts. Every win counts. But, again, the, cal- the quality of play there – you know, they are taking that mantle of best division in football, and I haven't seen anything to sway me off of it yet. No doubt. And then you come back with the Rams. Mm. You know, and again, question mark, sure. But, again, they were playing the Bills, and, you know, they're, they're, they they will be angry yes. for a time. Yes. This is a tough three-game stretch to start. You're not you're not full strength. De- DeAndre Hopkins, notwithstanding, you need J.J. Watt on the field. You need Rondell Moore on the field. Like, you know, the, these guys, you didn't have a hard training camp. No. That much is
2: clear. No. <laughs> But, Mike, I think that's part of the problem, that they didn't have a hard training right.
1: camp. Right. So my my point for bringing that up, and we can talk about that, there's no excuses for not being able to go then, is there? Like, what's your calf injury, JJ? What's your hamstring injury? Like, uh, yeah. Rondell, I mean, I get, no, you're right. It was not a hard camp.
2: And these guys aren't ready to go. They can't answer the bell week one. But, Mike, I, it's the age-old do you play or do you sit as far as preseason games. Mm-hmm. I know players don't want to play preseason games. I was a player. I played a long time in this league. I didn't really want to play preseason. But, but. you have to play preseason in order to get your body acclimated to that level of physicality. And that's the thing that the Cardinals looked like yesterday. They looked like a team that wasn't ready for the physicality of week one. You got a Kansas City Chiefs team that has been the four straight AFC championship games that understand how to navigate themselves through a regular season to put themselves in position to be successful. And the Cardinals look like a team that were still in week two of training camp coming off the the hall of fame game.
1: If you had to tell somebody who didn't watch anything yesterday, what the thing, what, what your impression of the game was, chiefs played it at a different gear, different speed, different. It was, it was a team that was mid season form versus a team who took preseason lightly. Yeah. That's how I would break it down to somebody. Now, you go watch the whole game and tell me what you thought. You can break down the individual stuff. But if you had to boil it down to one sentence, one observation from the word jump, Chiefs it was 14 0.
2: Chiefs were ready, Cardinals weren't.
1: Bingo. We're going to step aside here on the other side. Huh. So much to get to yeah. in the NFL injuries, crazy okay. games, yeah. uh, and a lot more. That's coming up next on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Welcome back. As we said, uh, Cardinals bad, Chiefs good. That, if you missed our first segment, that was it. You don't need to listen to it. Uh, lots of news, lots of notes, lots of reactions from week one around the National Football League. And I could start anywhere, but just because I know your love for this team, I'm going to start in Dallas in Big T. <laughs> um, we've got two kind of stories to look at. Mm. You've got the game, which was awful. The, the, the Cowboys.
2: Non-competitive. The Cowboys played the, played the role of the Cardinals in this game. Home team. They were worse. It might have been worse. Because there is more expectations on the Cowboys. Fair, but worse. I'm
1: just saying in terms of if you had to boil this one down before the big news out of that game. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay, despite Tom Brady's 10-day vacation, mm-hmm. ready to go. Yep. Clicking. Not able to score touchdowns early. Yep. But still doing enough to stay ahead. Yep. That was the fewest points the Cowboys scored in a home opener. I'm sorry, a season opener since Troy Aikman's rookie season. And that was one of the worst teams in Cowboys franchise history. Yep. We know what happened to that team, Absolutely. what they molded that team into, out. that group into. It
2: worked out eventually.
1: But that is the bar that this team set. And so you look at that, they scored three points. Okay, yep. that was bad enough. But at the end of the game, yep. when the game was out of reach, yep. when uh, – and I'm not saying you should have sat him down, but when you could have had – uh, Cooper your quarterback out of the game, yep. and nobody questioned you why yep. you did that. Dak Prescott breaks his thumb or a bone near his thumb, and you Six saw, to eight weeks. they knew it before they walked off the field because they the NBC got film of or video shot whatever you want to call it of Mike McCarthy walking off the field. Mm-hmm. Somebody in a dark jacket came walking up to him. Could have been a doc, could have been a trainer, yep. could have been somebody off the medical staff. Yep, and. Mike, they pointed to their hand, showed him, and Mike McCarthy looked like a grown man who was about ready to cry. Because here's a guy who's clearly on the hot seat before this season even starts. The
2: expectations are – Sean Payton on line one. Sky
1: hot. I got to comment about that in a minute because it's pretty funny. Yeah. But there are expectations, whether they're legitimate or not, for the Cowboys this year. There's always expectations for them. And he loses his starting quarterback. And he's out six, maybe eight weeks. It's on his throwing hand, so, you know, that, that's a crapshoot.
2: Mike, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Every time you hear Cowboy fans talk about this is our year, you always have to re- – you can always refute, okay, what about the penalties? Are you going to get the penalties solved? Where We've we worked on the penalties. Here you go again with the penalties. You yep. talk about offensive line. All right, we've got one of the stronger offensive lines that we've had, even though, uh, you know, our, our, our big left tackle is not in. They look like they didn't have their big left tackle in. They look like a defensive or offensive line that had no business being on the field with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defensive line. You start talking about not making plays and 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 great expectations out of receivers dropping balls and and Ezekiel Elliott looking like Ezekiel Elliott has looked the last couple years. Yeah. It's it's a lot of the same story, Mike. There's a lot of expectation from the 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 the, the, the owner suite. But there's not a lot of results once you get to the field. And and you start looking at Mike McCarthy. He has that same look on his face every single game. Mike, it's total frustration. It looks like he's at a loss. It looks as if the, the Cowboy fans are completely frustrated and this came out of nowhere. And then to add injury to insult, then you get your franchise quarterback, who was already playing awful that game. Yeah, he was. Go out and break his thumb. Now he's out six to eight weeks. And, Mike, I don't think that because I actually tweeted out in tongue in cheek uh, a couple of days before the game that, you know, breaking news, the the Dallas Cowboys have already been eliminated. It it was tongue in cheek. And I got it from a, uh, you know, a a website you know, that 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 covers football. But I didn't think that it would really be true. It was just kind of wishful thinking. But now that I look at it, Mike, I think they have already been eliminated from playoff contention. (laughs) In 2022, because they're not going anywhere with Cooper Rush at the helm of quarterback because the, the, the players that they have around him aren't good enough as they are right now.
1: So just like we did with the Cardinals, yeah. you look what's ahead for this Cowboys team. Let's give it the best-case scenario. He, he has a quick heel. He's able to grip the ball. He's able to throw the ball, and he gets the clearance to go. Yeah. Say it is the six weeks. Sure. They've got next week they got the Bengals. Loss. Lost. Just like the Rams, just like the Raiders, just like some other teams, they're going to be pissed off after the – because they have expectations in Cincinnati.
2: And gave that game away. They
1: gave that game away. So they're going to come to town. They're going to be mad. Yeah. Then they go and play at the Giants. We already talked about the Giants. Like, this is a game with your starting quarterback you probably should win. With Cooper Rush, who knows. Then you got the uh, Washington team again. And then they get to go travel to the Rams. Mm. And then they got uh, a game at the Eagles, Mm. a team that a lot of people think are – Really, the Put team up 38 that
2: should be going. Last I got to talk about
1: that game in a minute too, yep. and then uh, that Detroit Lions. So that that's what you're going to miss. Yes. So that's not exactly a, a cakewalk schedule. No. And you're the only team to start off the season with a loss. But it was just bad. It was just bad. And. Everything you said about the Cardinals, you could probably say about the Cowboys. Ill-prepared. The offense was out of sync. You let the other team do whatever they want. The other team was not as efficient as Kansas City was. Tom Brady looked really, really disgusted in that first half when they were settling for field goals, but yes. at least they were up. I think it was 12-3 at halftime. Yep. Uh, and then they figured it out and closed it out in a, in a, in a big way in the second half. Yep. So, uh, look, this was, this was just a mess, and you waste a great individual effort. Micah Parkins is special.
2: I think, I think Mike, he could be the defensive player of the year. On a bad team. On a very bad team. I think he could look a lot like T.J. Watt, who, oh, by the way, himself. At, is, I'm going to ask
1: you because you've had that.
2: Yeah, it, it it is nothing to play with. And so, Mike, there is, is Michael Parsons, and that's about the end of it. Yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the list. There is yeah. nothing else to go to a Dallas Cowboy game to watch right now because right. the rest of the team around him is letting him down because they are not – Ready to play? They don't have the talent, which is something that is is very odd to see with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Usually, they have talent and it underachieves. Right now, they don't have the talent, and they're playing to their level of, of expectations. And for Jerry Jones, this is not what he signed up for. He didn't. He didn't dole out the money for this type of result. No, but you're the GM. You're the, G- you're the GM and you're the owner, so you can't, you're not going to fire yourself, Mike. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I, I've seen very few <laughs> GMs and owners slash owners that fire themselves. So yeah, th- he's not going anywhere. Uh, uh, Steven Jones isn't going anywhere. So I don't know where you go with this. Now the question is, what do you do at the quarterback position? Do you stay with Cooper Rush or do you go try to find a quarterback that can kind of fit and, 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 and fill in for what Dak Prescott did? Where would you find one of those? I mean, maybe you could go to – San Francisco. Or you could go to Baltimore because Huntley is – is he, he's a guy – he he did some things last year, but Baltimore is never going to give him up because Not, he's that insurance policy yeah. for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Who, oh, by the way, looked really good yesterday.
1: Very good. And we'll get to that because that's yeah, another absolutely. story. There, there you go. All right. Uh, I want to go to Detroit next. Uh, Eagles win. It ended up being close towards the end, but – You know, Eagles had that game in hand in in, in the middle part. Yep. But a couple things. I made a comment, you know, because like I said, I've been watching Hard Knocks, and I'm interested. uh, This Dan Campbell situation is – and it's only week one, so my theory is kind of out the window. But I said something to the effect of the way he is, and I understand the cameras were on and you do – so. but I don't think that he dials it back that much. I think there's some – He's intense. He's genuine. Whatever you think about him, he's genuine when you see. What he puts out there is what he is. I don't think he was acting for the cameras. Yep. And, and I just feel like, you know, whether you're in the NFL or whether you got a boss like that at your day job, wherever you are, you can't keep at a high level, that level intensity 24-7. You get mentally tired after a while. Sure. And I think you saw it with the, the, the Lions late in that game where they had a, a personal foul penalty. Jalen Hurts was rushing. He was outside the pocket. He slid. Mm-hmm. And two guys, two Lions players, hit him when he was down. Yep. Pe- a personal foul penalty. The Eagle players rushed over to pick him up, and the one guy, and I wish I could remember his name, one of the cornerbacks got into it, got ejected from the game because he was fighting the dude that was picking up his quarterback. Yeah. And I think that, again, you individually you own your your actions on the field. I understand that. But the mindset, the, the play, the bite him in the knee thing, that's going to hurt. And, you know, not that they had a chance to come back in this one, but that type of thing, losing the way they lost yep. and seeing that type of play late, late in the game once it's pretty much secured – I just wonder if that's sustainable.
2: Mike, it speaks to discipline and lack thereof. If you are a disciplined football team, you don't do those type of things because you're you're going to beat yourself ultimately. When you have those type of penalties accumulate over the series of a game, you elongate drives and you, you keep drives going that maybe could have been stalled and got off the field and given a possession back to your team. I don't know if they were going to win that game anyway because I think the Eagles Absolutely. and A.J. Brown, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. What a great pickup yeah. he was. Perfect pickup he was Perfect. for 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 Jalen Hurts and, and what the Eagles are trying to get done because he fit like a hand and glove to that offense.
1: No, there's no question about that. Um, and, you know, Detroit is still – They're still a core of what they've been the last couple years. You're not going to turn it over. Mm. Uh, But, again, to your point, discipline. It's a fine line between high intensity and poor discipline. And reckless. 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 That's a great way to put it. Yes. But the Eagles, uh, offensively anyways, I mean, I I question them a little bit letting Detroit score 35 on them. But
2: defensively, you mean. Excuse me, the
1: offensively they're all that. Yes. I question them the defensively, defensively because of 35 points. Right. Uh, but, again, week one overreaction. All right, keeping it going around the NFL. We talked about it, the game in Cincinnati. Mm. You know, this is a game, like, if you were a gambler, mm. like, you're going all in on the Bengals on this one. Question marks at the quarterback, uh, you know, uh, and, and I think an unproven commodity offensively. I think you knew the Steelers would be good defensively. But, boy, uh, you know, I think Cincinnati went out of their way to shoot themselves in the foot. Penalties and turnovers. It's a bad combination, and I still think they're a much better team than Pittsburgh, but guess what? That's not what the record shows.
2: Mike, think about this for a second. They had five turnovers and seven sacks and still had to win at the end of overtime. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals are clearly a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. but But when you start talking about how you're coached, Don't beat yourself and timely plays by timely veterans, guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, like TJ Watt, who we don't know how or when he's going to be able to come back because a a torn pec is at least eight weeks. Mike, as a guy who went through it, I I got injured in the middle of the season and and I just decided to go on IR because by the time I'd have gotten back, we'd only had two weeks left. And I would have spent those weeks just trying to recover and build my strength back up in my pec. So, unfortunately, I don't think T.J. Watt is going to come back. If they really care about his longevity as a Pittsburgh Steeler, you shut him down for the year. You, it's a tough loss. It's a huge blow for your team. But for the long-term investment that you have in T.J. Watt, you've got to shut him down and get him ready for the 2023 season.
1: No, I think that's absolutely true.
2: And I think that kills whatever – hope that they had for this year because, Mike, they were going to have to win ugly just like we saw in week one.
1: Well, and to that point about T.J. Watt and what he means to that team, like he was making a – you talk about Micah Parsons. T.J. Watt was making a similar statement about defensive player of the year. That interception he
2: had – Up in the air and just plucked it up in the air. Oh, yeah. But Joe Burrow, though, Mike.
1: Well, Joe – yeah. Joe Burrow gave it to him, but he had to take advantage of it, That that particular one. Five. Yeah.
2: Five interceptions. Yeah. I, I I know everybody's talking about Joe Burrow. He's part of that next generation of, of quarterbacks that are going to take the league by storm just coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. But, Mike, you've got to be more disciplined with the ball. You cannot be that that reckless. Mike, that's the word that I saw with a lot of these teams that, that actually walked away with losses yesterday was they were reckless in their approach. You've got to be more disciplined in that. If you're – if you're a quarterback, Mike, and you're expected to lead a team and you're a young guy like a Joe Burrow who's in his third season, you can't make those type no. of mistakes, Mike. No. You, you're, the one thing that you've been known for is your calmness under pressure and your ability to be cerebral and still make the right play. I think there were times where he got rushed and he got fooled. And you cannot afford to be rushed and fooled at the same time. You got to be one or the other if you're going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. And we saw in week one, Mike Tomlin had a great game plan to not only speed him up, but to actually fool him and make him make some ill advised throws that I think otherwise he'd never make.
1: Sticking in the AFC North, uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens go to uh, the, the Jets and win that game. That's not really the story here. I'm
2: pulling for Lamar Jackson. I, I am. I, I would just say, it, Mike. I mean, I didn't mean no, to cut good. you off. I just, I'm pulling for Lamar Jackson. That's the story, though. Yes, I'm pulling for him to do everything that he wants to do. Because this is that because
1: this, uh, this was a huge calculation on his part. He's the biggest, right? Because you talk about the,
2: this is the, Joe the, Flacco. This is Kirk Cousins. You this get is injured. That type
1: of, you get injured on the last year of this deal, uh, right? That's a lot of money out the door. That's a lot of money out the door. And he didn't come out and say it. And, of course, the Ravens aren't coming out and saying it. But it has been reported that the sticking point was not money. It's what we said all along. It's the guaranteed portion of the contract.
2: Of course it's the guaranteed portion. And the Cleveland
1: Browns are sitting back saying, yeah, we did that. Absolutely. We
2: did that. Come get us. Right. Come get us. Um, in your own division, Mike. Yeah. Because if you are Lamar Jackson and you look at Deshaun Watson, a guy who's not going to be able to play for the first 11 games right. or 12 games, however long it is, you you actually are more an accomplished <clears throat> quarterback than Deshaun Watson. You, you've got more success in the league. You've got a playoff win under your belt. You've got an MVP under your belt. You've got an offense that's catered directly to your skills All the above. In, in Baltimore. And the fact that you don't have – 25 cases at once upon a time open <laughs> <under> your, <laughs> in your yeah. watch. That's a huge deal, Mike, because one thing we can say about Lamar Jackson, he may not be the best thrower of the football. He may not be the most polished quarterback, but the young man wins. And all he does when he gets under center is he wins a lot of games for the Baltimore Ravens.
1: And, and it's fascinating to me the fact that Lamar Jackson is his own agent or is representing himself. He's not an agent. He is representing he himself. Uh, right? So I would imagine – That when an agent sits across the table or gets on the fax machine or however they do contracts these days. It's a different conversation. Like you're going to say stuff to an agent. It's a different conversation. Like your player's not that, your player, whatever. If you're going to say that right back to your player, that's got to be so weird. It's personal. And I would imagine it takes some of the the, the negotiation and elongates the process because, Mm -hmm. again, you're going to cut right to the chase. Like, you know, we've seen it on TV and I know that's like, it's not necessarily reality, sure. but there's some truth in there in terms of how that goes. No doubt, um, you know. But if you're if you're the front office of the Ravens to say, well, here's this is these are your deficiencies. Here's why we're not going to give you whatever you're asking for.
2: Yeah, you, they're they're basically trying to say you're not Deshaun Watson and and Lamar Jackson is like you're right. I'm not. I'm better. So whatever he got, as Mike, I, I've said this for at least four or five months. His deal plus two million. That's it.
1: And, and the sticking point. Is the the two million two hundred and thirty
2: million dollars guaranteed. guaranteed? Yeah, guaranteed, all of it.
1: So it's not the two million; it's the hundred percent that's the problem.
2: It's the hundred percent. And again, Mike, you start looking at a Justin Herbert, you start looking at a Joe Burrow, even, albeit notwithstanding how he played yesterday, these two young men are going to get paid. Yep. And they're looking at Lamar Jackson like, hey, bro. We need you to up this ante for us because if you up the ante, if you get the hundred
1: percent, we, 100%, we get it. If you get it, we get it. We need you to make it the norm.
2: That's right. And Deshaun Watson's kind of sitting back like, "Hey guys, I, I set the bar. I did what I, I did my part. You know, I came in even <laughs> under a cloud of suspicion, and I still did what I needed to do to help y'all out. So you're welcome."
1: P.S. Before we move on, Kenyon Drake's okay. Oh wow! And how He about, landed with the Ravens. Might be a. I, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it might be
1: a better spot for him. No, to no doubt. Up.
2: How about Tua and the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I was going to go there. Getting it done against the New England Patriots team that, that Mike, this is a team that looks so disjointed.
1: Well, I was just going to say, do, do the Patriots go in the same category as the Cardinals and the Cowboys? No,
2: because they were ready to play. They just don't wow. have – if you don't have that, that continuity with the offensive caller or play caller, it's going to look exactly like it did. And you've got a second-year quarterback that's totally dependent on on his offensive coordinator to put him in the right positions. Yes, we we, we know uh, Mac Jones is a good quarterback, and he eventually is going to be a guy that can be a a franchise-type quarterback. But he's still in the learning process, Mike. Mm -hmm. He was a rookie last year. He got to the playoffs, got annihilated by the Buffalo Bills. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement. But – you can't ask him to go out there and be that guy right now. He's not ready for that mentally, Mike. And I think what the Miami Dolphins did was they exposed the fact that if you don't have a real a true play caller, if you're going back and forth between judge and 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 uh uh you know, who who's the the other play caller? Who's who's calling it now from Detroit? Oh, uh Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, I I don't know how you're going to get this, this stability anytime soon. Yeah. And, and this is so uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick-type teams. Well, that's where I they went. They look so prepared and buttoned yeah. up. Even in the first part of the season, yeah. this just looked like an, a, a, a team that I didn't recognize as far as, yes, the bodies were in the Patriot uniforms, but they didn't perform like a, a New England Patriots team that we've been accustomed to the last 20 Tariq
1: years. Tariq his Dolphins debut, eight catches for 94 yards. So, there you go. Um,
2: I think it worked out. I think it worked out for both sides. I think it, it worked win-win. out for Tyreek Hill. I think it worked out for the win-win. Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Uh, all right. So, and then the question I asked you and Sean before we started recording it, before we uh, we, we wrap this up, um,
2: division games week one. I like it. Do you? Mike, it's just like college, and we'll get into college in just a minute. So I don't like that either. I love it. Because now you've got to be ready. You, don't give me that we need a warm-up game when we need to play Southern Utah or whoever it is that you're trying to play and, and Hofstra or some team like that to try to get yourself ready for the college season. No, come out of the gates. Let's get ready to go because every game is going to count now. If you, st- if you want to get into the playoffs, you've got to start off week one. You better be ready in August, and you better keep being ready when you get to the conference championship games in December.
1: I don't like it. Wow. I, I I don't know. It just seems like the kind of the, it's it's the flip side of the argument you just made. You're raising all these stakes early on in the season, and the NFL has made it a priority in the in definitely the last week and usually the last two weeks of the season. You are playing exclusively games in your division. Sure. And I just think it, it takes away from that uh, by by just throwing it out there. And there was a handful of these games yesterday we talked about. Most of them, the Raiders and the Chargers. We didn't even talk about the Packers and wide receivers dro- wow. dropping the ball. Did you guys see the interview with uh, Aaron Rodgers before that game? Oh yeah, with uh, with Aaron Rodgers with Aaron, what's her name uh, from from Fox? Aaron Andrews. I think. Aaron Andrews, thank you. Uh, he talked about self love and and finding himself and you know because she was talking about the hallucinogenics with him and. It was you may have been on them. It was the most bizarre <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And the other thing that I was struck by because it's not that crazy huh. is the State Farm commercial with him where he's uh he's with the State Farm dude uh-huh. uh and it's him but he's got a body double or a stunt double that looks exactly like him. Uh-huh. And I said that's sh- that that's that's life imitating art yeah. or, or art imitating life. There you go. Cuz that I, he probably thought that up on his He's weird. Yeah. I, man, he's just and don't do these interviews anymore because you don't need to convince me of how weird you are.
2: The one thing I will say about him, though, Mike, is he was right about his receivers. No, he
1: was he, damn right about he, his receivers. He caught a lot of
2: flack by going and throwing his receivers under the bus. But we saw it front and center. There was that, that, that that throw in the first – That was ke- so perfect. It was perfect. Like, he couldn't have handed the ball to him any better.
1: And it went right through his hands.
2: Right through his hands, Mike. And
1: this wasn't some guy off the street. They drafted him to make those catches.
2: Mike, he didn't see the ball again until the fourth quarter. Yeah, damn right he didn't. So – right.
1: Real quickly before we jump to college, yeah. I had, we, we we're not going to spend a lot of time ever out of principle on the Washington team. I'm okay. not using their name. Yeah. But did you guys see this? Uh, fans, I love social media. Mm. In the uh, in the team shop okay. at the stadium, okay. they had coffee cups for sale. Okay. You want to get your uh, Washington Commanders coffee cup? All right. Had the st- outline of the state of Washington on those coffee cups.
2: Not not the District of Columbia. Nope. The state was- of Washington, Washington state.
1: with the with – the, In the great Northwest. The, with the Washington, the W that they're using now. Wow. Superimposed over it. Wow. They had them for sale
2: out front and center. How many did they sell, though? That's but the they didn't sell a
1: lot guy. because as soon as they got put on social media, they disappeared out of the window. <laughs>
2: like, you, uh, can't, you, you, just you can't – You can't hide stuff can't. in social media. You,
1: you can't. And I, I – I, look, it was probably some dude like got a box. like Somebody made a mistake, got a box. they like, eh, put them out there. Somebody will buy it.
0: But it's just a reflection
1: on this team. Like, you talk about everything related to something that Daniel Snyder touches.
2: But they won week one, though.
1: They did win week one, and they didn't look terrible.
2: And, I mean, they played a Jacksonville team that I think is going to be better than what they were. I 100% agree with that. I think Doug Peterson will have this team going in the right direction sooner than later. And I think for for him to to be able to assimilate a coach that knows what he's doing and not operating out of fear and and not – not damaging, uh, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence and and beyond pre- repair. You know, I, I just feel like he's finally got a coach that knows how to coach him. And I think he probably feels so much better even though they lost. I think the future is still brighter with Doug Peterson than what they were this time of year. And I
1: think somebody made the point, and I agree with this, they're doing things now with Trevor Lawrence that should have been done a year ago, you know, uh, and – and, you know, so there will be some time to, sure. to make up some – but I agree, they looked a lot better. I know the answer for you. Sean, you got – like, do you have a FanDuel account? Or, I do. Or, did you? And I – and our friend Marco D'Angelo, who I, I do a radio show with here in town, and he comes on weekly, and we were talking to him about the win totals for the teams. And I finally opened up an account. Oh, man, it was like the rush. <laughs> like I, I'm sitting there in front of the game with my phone I'm like, Yeah! Feeling but, good. But anyway – uh, t- I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the three that I put money on. Not okay. not serious money. Okay. I don't have a problem, but uh, the future bets, not, okay. not game bets. I bet uh, I bet money that the Buffalo Bills would win the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC East. Okay. That's a I think that's a slam dunk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I I bet this one I was a little scared of after last week, but there's still a lot of football to be played. I took the Packers to win the NFC North. I might I might. Think about that
0: one. I would have never done that.
1: No, you wouldn't have? No. All
0: right. I had Vikings winning that division from the get-go. All
1: right. And then the one that I just took, the win total for the Jaguars was six and a half. Mm. I took the over on that one. Okay. So I like are, it. Those are my three future bets Since that I Since we're
0: talking that, can I give you a bad my, my bad beat of the weekend? Yes. What that's I said. took. So, I had a parlay going. Would have paid $188. Vikings, I laid the two and a half against the uh, the Packers. That obviously came through. Right. Took the Chiefs over the Cardinals. I thought that was going to be a gimme to begin with. No doubt. Uh, all I needed was the um, Titans to beat the Giants. Mm. I don't know if you saw I how that game ended. Happening.
2: I mean, big shout, out, big shout out to Brian Dable. I mean, yeah. he, he, no. he got that team ready to go, and they looked like a team that, that had a plan. It may not be a great plan, or they may not have the talent to execute the plan at all times, yep. but they had enough gumption. One, I love the going for two on the road. Oh, Do not settle for yeah. the tie because I you're think that's going great. to lose.
1: And the NFL is so averse to that. I think that was great.
2: I, I, I mean, all, all these, you know, I don't even want to get into it. But yeah. I'll just say I love the onions of Coach Dable to actually go out there and actually go for two week one, show your team that I'm all in. Yep. Young coach, young team, quarterback, everybody needed that win, Mike. Absolutely. Saquon Barkley. Saquon back, needed injury. it. Daniel Jones needed it. Yep. The offensive line needed all the beatdowns that they've taken all offseason. Yep. They could tell those people to shut it at least for a week. Shut it.
1: All right. On the other side, we get into a wild weekend in mm. college football. That's coming up next on Train and Gross. Yeah, yeah. Train and Gross. Welcome back. Train and Gross. College football underway. Just avoided a, a throat punch there. Yeah. Oh, bad. Yeah. That's what happens when you get out of line on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Wild, wacky weekend of uh, college football, and I think we'll rebrand this podcast. Let's call it the Sun Belt Weekend Review. Because <laughs> wow. uh, I, and again, I'm going to be. If I'm crossing any lines, you tell me. Because Notre Dame, unfortunately, is part of this. But I, the the one thing college football is so skewed, top heavy, whatever you want to call it. But the, the thing that I love, mm-hmm. thing that I absolutely love, is when teams like the Sunbelt teams go to Lincoln go to South Bend, go to College Station. And win. Take your lunch money and win. $1.5
2: million. We're
1: talking between $1.5 and $2 million each Mm -hmm. to those schools to go to those respective cities and play the game. And the expectation when you roll in is that you're going to take the loss and go about your business the rest of the season, but know that you've paid for the soccer team or the baseball team or the volleyball team, whatever they do with that money in those athletic departments in the Sunbelt Conference. And no, they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to go in and they're going to represent, and this is their day. Absolutely. You know, you will tell your kids and your grandkids that I was on that team that went into South Bend and won that
2: game. Went into College Station.
1: I was in that game in Lincoln that got Scott Frost fired. Fired. After he just got his Georgia contract. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern.
2: But he took a pay cut, though. So it, it wasn't as should if he got a fired, pay rate. Most,
1: m- most, most Nebraska fans felt he should have never come back. Uh, that's and the correct. question is, does Trev Alberts survive this? Because you can get up there and lay Scott Frost out now for everybody to see, but you were questioned all offseason why you bringing this man back. And if you can fire Scott Frost, you can fire Trev Alberts. Because yeah, New- or your Nebraska – uh, they're both credentials they're both alone. ain't caring you. No, they don't care. But uh, bad, bad weekend. Yeah, for for those teams losing to some Belt, but not making excuses for anybody. When mm-hmm. you look at your four years in South Bend, who did you guys play? Somebody come to town, the equivalent of Marshall, a money game. Air Force. Air Force. And how hard is that? Air Force is unique because of the way they play. But to get up mentally when you know you've got USC out there, you've got. You're just coming off Ohio State, and you've got all these games that you play when you play at Notre Dame. You can't take Air Force for granted. Or, or you BYU. You can't take Marshall for granted. Yeah, we lost to BYU BYU. Too.
2: Yeah, so, Mike, you're always – when you play at a place like Notre Dame, and I'm not saying that Notre Dame is the only one like this, but when you have a team that is nationally prominent, you're going to be everybody's game that is circled on their list that they're going to go out and they're going to be like, we got to go out and represent because if we represent in this game, everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to talk about us. We can absolutely mm-hmm. make a name for ourselves. So I love the fact that we were that game for everybody mm-hmm. because it made us have to be up for the game as well. Can't take anybody for granted. Can't take anybody for granted. And you can't afford to come out with your C game because if you come out with your C game, you're going to get embarrassed on your own field, which has happened a couple times. And yeah. it just happened. in Marshall happened last year with Cincinnati. So – I look at this team Mike. they're 0-2 under the mike freeman air 0-3 in his first three games which no starting no coach has ever lost their first three games at the university of notre dame that's a that that's that's a a new one but uh i look at the future for this team and the future for this program i think it's in in the right direction mike i know a lot of the, the, the the staunch notre dame supporters are kind of nervous right now. They're looking like we're 0-2 right now. We just lost on the road. Everybody, nobody flinched at the Ohio State loss. No. Nobody flinched. Everybody knew, okay, we could lose that game because that's a team that's nationally ranked too. But the thing that I didn't appreciate about the start of the season, Mike, is name me another school where you have a brand new head coach and you don't have any stability at the quarterback position and they're number five in the country to start the season. Right. Notre Dame was set up for failure. This year, in my opinion, I'm not I'm not crying sour milk um, because there's no moral victories, but I'm saying any other team that has those qualifications heading into a season, you're not putting them as the top five team in all the land. And I know with the name brand recognition and everything else that goes along with it, you still have to look at it at face value, a brand new coach, no. No certainty at quarterback. How do you expect that team to run the gamut and and be a, a major player when it comes to playoff time in November?
1: And I think that's where Notre Dame's reputation probably hurt them a little bit when you go into the season in a, in a reputation in a positive way. No doubt. And then you lose your quarterback who was questionable to begin with. Where he's out. Yeah. And you know, and I think I was guilty of it. Now we were talking about this uh, on another show, where I said, "Look, you know, this is a good team. Understanding there are some issues." And this might be a a year or so early based on what they got coming. Yeah. Right? Right now they got no speed. It's always risky to talk about recruits and that sort of thing. Sure. But, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, winning the recruiting wars and getting headlines when there's not Mm -hmm. football going on. It was all Notre Dame this spring and summer where where they were going out and that staff, including Coach Freeman, were going out and killing it. Yeah. And bringing guys in like they were – guys they didn't think they had a chance to get are now coming to Notre Dame. And now, to your point, premature – Now you're 0-2, and and Coach Freeman's got to fight the fight on two fronts. Number one, you got to right the ship here without your starting quarterback, and it was a questionable quarterback room to begin with. Yep. And at the same time, you and your staff got to guard that heralded recruiting class because yep. you know what's happening out there. Yep. You know what, ha- what, what what's the Michigan coaches doing. What are the Georgia coaches doing when they come across a kid and that's what, already
2: ca- – Alabama.
1: Yeah, you're damn t- – you just lost to Marshall. You want some of that? Like, you yep. know that's happening. No doubt about it. And so they got to fight the fight on multiple fronts going forward.
2: Mike, there are a lot of, of surprises – in this week of of college football. But it really isn't, it shouldn't be a surprise because, Mike, we're still talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and they're not perfect. They're going to make their mistakes. To think that teams can consistently go undefeated with a college football schedule the way that they are put together now, Mm -hmm. I think that's unrealistic. But there are some games that you should get home. No matter what, they should have gotten that game home Saturday. and. It is a bad look for for Coach Freeman, but I do believe that because he had so much positive energy coming into Mm -hmm. the position as the head coach and you were following a guy that had so much negative energy leaving him, such bad energy, I think they're going to give him a pass for the 2022 season. But if you come out the gate slow next year, yeah. I think you could have another Scott Frost situation. Now, he's not been there as long as Scott Frost, obviously, and he didn't go to Notre Dame. But the expectations at Notre Dame are a little bit higher than most schools in that you can't just come out there and be an okay team year after year. There's expectations. There are uh, uh, contracts that need to be uh, – honored as far as, you know, NBC. NBC doesn't want to have oh 500 teams as their mainstay as far as what they're putting out there as a product every single week because now they start to lose money because people are going to be turning the channel looking for other games to You watch. brought
1: up Nebraska through this whole thing, and I think it's, it's really interesting because at least, you know, obviously you have the regime change there, but we're talking about college football playoffs, a team that's been a quality program here recently. Might not like how you got there, might not like the guy that took you there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but at least you were there. Yeah, we were there. Right? Uh, you look at this Nebraska situation. It's been and, bad. and I, It's been bad. Since he got there. And part of it's Scott Frost, but part of it's not. I mean, you know, they're waiting for Tom Osborne to come rolling into town again, and it's not going to happen, and they need to figure it out. Yep. You had a Nebraska guy as an athletic director. You bought your quarterback back as the coach who had had some success down at Central Florida, mm-hmm. and, and it was supposed to be the time that you jumped into this and you competed with Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State. I mean you're not even competing in the in the much much weaker Big 10 West. So it's no question that he got fired. It's no question or, or or I understand why there were questions about even bringing him back. Sure. But with all that where do you go? Because Scott Frost, the next Scott Frost is not out there. No. What what who's the guy? And do you want any part of Nebraska and the expectations that are no. there? That's the other thing. If you're one of these guys that you think you can go get, yep. similar to what USC did with Lincoln Kennedy. Yep. I didn't say that right, but you know what I mean. I got what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You go grab your coach and take him away from Oklahoma.
2: Nebraska's not going to do that. No. No, they're not. And, Mike, I think the thing that really did did Scott Frost in was, one, you had the very public loss in in Ireland when you lose to Northwestern. You can't lose that game in Northwestern when you're essentially up and you blow that, and then you come home and you lose to Georgia Southern, Mike. Georgia Southern. You you can't have that. You you lose a high-profile one on the road thousands of miles away, and then you come home where you're supposed to find that comfort and and everybody's behind you, and you're a hometown guy, and you lose to Georgia Southern, a team that has never been a a big skier. Uh, They've played well at times when they played bigger teams, but you're never supposed to lose to Georgia Southern.
1: And sandwiched in between that was a a near miss against an FCS team, South Dakota, South Dakota State. Like –
2: yeah, I don't you know, even count that And game. it
1: was—it's Lincoln Riley, not Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln. Right, I got. Lincoln you. Kennedy used to come on our radio. Yeah, show big fella. Played for the Raiders. Big
2: fella. I used to. Me and me and Big Lincoln, fella used to talk. Used to mix it up a little bit back in the day.
1: Lincoln Riley is. You know, whatever, Lots of love and respect for the so Big fella. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I don't know what the future, what the answer is, uh, in in uh, in Lincoln, but it's it's ugly. And sure, Scott Frost bears some of the responsibility. He's in charge, but. It's bigger than that right now. It's bigger than that, and I don't know I don't know where they go. All right, locally, mm-hmm. uh, and Sean Cressman can jump in here if he wants to, to, to weigh in. Uh, two losses for the local teams this weekend after opening weekend wins. Uh, but you know what? I mean, you're never okay with a loss, and I don't want to sound like that, but given the scheme of what's happened in college football this weekend, I- I'm good with it. Like, you know, you, you you travel on the road, you go to Big 12 country, you play in Stillwater, one of the one of the cool spots around college football. Yep. And, you know, you were in it for a while. You know, you got stuff you can work on, but it's okay. You played that game, and I thought it was a good look. Even in a loss, I thought it was a good look. And they're coming to Tempe, Oklahoma State, a year from now. So Mm. it's good. You can tell your fans. You can do that. Same thing down in Tucson. You know, you you, you were clearly outclassed Mm. physically by a middle-of-the-road SEC team. But you didn't collapse. You didn't embarrass yourselves, and so it is what it is. And now you get to go to Starkville mm. next year. Mm. But I, you know, like I said, am I am I too Pollyannish about this? I thought
0: it was cool. I, I, oh, I mean, it's Oklahoma fun a, State, it's, Arizona State. It's good stuff. It's fun as a fan base. You get to go play, you know, in Stillwater. But I mean, was ultimately you're still looking at a team that in moments was undisciplined, and you're looking at a football team that. You know it went over on third down and you're just you know so yeah it, it, there were some positives it was a fun weekend but ultimately you I don't I want to say you're incredibly ple- incredibly pleased by it
2: you're supposed to win yeah I mean, you and, you're, and when you don't win everything gets magnified and that's that's the biggest part of it I think for Arizona State if they didn't have all of the turmoil leading up to the season maybe it's not as bad of a loss right but the fact that you've had the turmoil, the fact that you've had the uncertainty about the state of the affairs mm-hmm. with the program, and then you go to Stillwater and and you lose the way that you did, it speaks to where is the leadership? Where is the the resolve? Where is Herm Edwards? Where is the Herm Edwards effect on this football team? He's supposed to have that effect in the fourth quarter, Mike. He's supposed to be that calming presence yep. that that is the difference when it matters most, and he hasn't been there. Since he's gotten here, you, you've seen this team win games, but they haven't won the games that Herm Edwards was hired to win, and that's, that's something point. that that you, when it, when it comes down to it, Mike, the way that he runs this program like a CEO essentially, and he lets his assistants really kind of take the charge here. I, that only it only looks good when the team is rolling. Yeah. If you are a team that that has had hadn't had any success in the Pac-12 and they don't look to have any success anytime soon in the Pac-12, then this whole situation, this whole regime is all under uncertainty. And, and I don't know how much more Arizona State is going to follow this guy.
1: And that's fair point. And, and I, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of performance versus expectation. And the other thing that I w- – and I know it's an incredibly hard thing to do if you're an athletic director is to put together those schedules that – Match your team and give your fan base what they want. Sure. And, and Sean made the point earlier, and I, I mean, he to agree to a degree, he's right. You know, whether you're talking about Arizona or whether you're talking about Arizona State, you know, you come back and you've got Eastern Michigan at home this weekend if you're Arizona State, and even worse for Arizona, uh, Kevin Sumlin should be fired again for letting this happen. Uh, they got North Dakota State uh, down there in Tucson, um, you know. So I guess that was more my point in yeah. pointing out these games yeah. that. You know if you're gonna do it let's step out and and represent a little bit and again when this game with oklahoma state was scheduled you didn't know what you didn't know about this asu team none of this stuff we're dealing with right now had even happened and the fact that it's on the schedule and the fact that it's a home and home so you know next year you get to look forward to a big 12 team coming to town that that was more the how i look at it obviously you come back you're you're one and one yeah um and I look at it, and if I'm an athletic director, like I said, these games are tough, right? You know, if they talk about that ABC schedule, and you yep. have an A game, that that really easy, yep. uh, you know, tune-up game, if you will, and you got the B game, that yep. middle of the road game, yep. and then you've got the C game, your Oklahoma State or Mississippi State if you're Arizona State or Arizona. That's a hard thing to do, and it's a hard thing to know when you're scheduling for 2033, right? Where your team's going to be. Right. So I could schedule you against Alabama right now, and you could say, oh, geez, it's Alabama. And then Nick Saban retires, and you know, they they take it down to the studs and start a build over. And all of a sudden you're playing, you know, uh, yeah. you know I don't know who the middle of the road or, or lower end SEC is. But, that you know, that, that point, they're it's playing Kentucky, Kentucky instead yeah. of Alabama, right? Yeah. So um, it, it's a tough thing to do.
2: Mike, if you're Ray Anderson, you hired Hermit, was away from ESPN with the hopes that he could get you back to ESPN. He yeah. hasn't sniffed ESPN. Yeah. And... To me, that's the biggest indictment. They haven't been relevant. They haven't been a program that ESPN has even thought about talking about, Mike. Right. And the whole thought of bringing Herm to this program was to uplift the the, the profile. And I don't think Herm has lifted the profile of Arizona State to the point where he he hasn't gotten it to where his old job was. And if you can't get it to where your old job was, Mike, what have you really done?
1: No, and I think that's a fair point. And similar to what we were talking about before with the Cardinals, you know, and who's linked to who, I, I got to believe, and again, this is purely speculation on my part, but if, if, if Herm Edwards doesn't survive, how does Ray Anderson survive? You know, this is an indictment on Michael Crow at that point, the president of the university. And and this is I'm going to put this out there, and it's not meant. It's not going to come out the way it is. But we've had this conversation for years. When you look at ASU, mm-hmm. like what are you and what do you want to be, and you try to change it up, and that's what Ray Anderson did. Yep. And, and to date, you would say it probably hasn't worked out the way you had hoped it would. Yep. But if you go back and look at every coach that's been at ASU since uh, since the I don't know since the 70s, you know, on average, you know, they win seven, seven and a half games. If you look at their career, divide by the number of the games they coach. Yeah. Now, Herm's a little skewed because he had the COVID year in there and I don't want to be unfair, you know, when you do the math. So I'm not going to do that. But, you know, it, it is, what is this program? That's, I think, a question that they haven't answered. And, you know, until they figure that out, uh, but it, it's, it's the question that a lot of teams ask
2: themselves. But, Mike, the, the frustrating thing about Arizona State is you have so many names around the program. Just think about the coaching staff. Just think about the NFL experience that you have just on the coaching staff alone. Yeah. Think about the defensive side. Antonio Pierce, Super Bowl champion. Uh, coach Marvin Lewis, Super Bowl champion as a defensive coordinator. You're supposed to be much further along than where you are right Fair. now with that caliber of, of coach. Ideally, now, is something to be said. Well, maybe they were just names, and maybe there wasn't a lot of substance outside of the name. That, I can't speak to that. But the one thing I would say if I'm Ray Anderson and I'm looking at Herm Edwards, you, you, you had me bring in all these guys to, to change the culture and to change the profile of Arizona State, and they've done the exact opposite. They've tried to do things in a way that, that maybe it seemed like they didn't know uh, college was a little bit different than the NFL.
1: Well, and I think you make a good point. If, if Herm Edwards is the CEO and, and, and you allow the things to happen underneath you that are You're happening. You're responsible. You ultimately have to be responsible. You're responsible. And we've said that all along. Take Herm out of it for just a minute. When you talk about college coaches. Sure. College football, and, and I would say big-time college basketball coaches. Sure. What, the one thing that you always hear about them that they are is control freaks. Yeah. Like, And when something goes sideways on their program, they can't claim ignorance because you can't control this thing 24-7, 365, and say, oh, I had no idea that was going on. So I, I think if you're going to wear that CEO mantle, you can't have Antonio Pierce do to you because he did it to Herm Edwards. Absolutely. I trusted Antonio Pierce. I hired Antonio Pierce. I gave him this opportunity, and there's some that said, and I don't know if this is true or not, um, Sean usually gives me a side eye if I say something that's way crazy. There are those that said maybe Antonio Pierce at one point was the heir apparent mm. to Herm Edwards if this thing got where they wanted it to go. Sure. Herm's not a young man. Right. And so at some point he may want to retire. Antonio, if this goes where we want it to go, sure.
2: here, you, here it is. And,
1: and we saw how that
2: happened. No, it has not worked out at all, Mike. And, and I, I just I, I feel bad for these young men who – came with the high expectations of being coached up by a really good coaching staff because I, I would say roughly seven or eight of the coaches currently on the roster for Arizona State have had NFL experience yeah. to some capacity, either yeah. as a player or as a coach. And for them to still not have cracked the top half of the lineup in the Pac-12, yeah. that that's that's a real indictment. And I think at some point there, there's going to be some jobs that are going to be cost. In order to answer for it.
1: Well, and, and, and the last thing before we get out of here is, you know, with this whole ASU thing, and we said it a couple months ago, and I'll say it again now because nothing's changed. The NCAA is twist, letting them twist in the breeze. And, you know, they, I think they got a little bit fortunate this year, mm-hmm. it's, and it's hard, but they got a lot of quality players through the transfer portal this year. Absolutely. I don't want to say it was luck, but they got some good players. Like, to do that every year is a hard thing. Sure. But it's it's killing the recruiting. And, you know, there are some people that think that they're going to get a slap on the wrist. And that may very well be true. There are some people, and I don't think this is true, but you see people out there saying, you know, you got to throw the book at them. And more than likely, it might be somewhere in between. But what the problem is, you don't know what it is. And, Mike, and, it, and they're just twisting right now. Absolutely.
2: You can't recruit like that. And, Mike, think about you, you were just saying how they were recruiting negatively against Notre Dame. Yeah. Think about how they're recruiting negatively against Arizona State. Yeah. Is Herm going to be there? Is Antonio going to be there? Is Marvin going to be there? Are yeah. these guys going to be here? So you, you, why would you go to Arizona State and you don't even know if these coaches are going to even be around or if Arizona State is going to even be eligible to do anything in the next, com- next coming few yeah. years? So I, it, it, you talk about negative recruiting. I, I think the whole Pac-12 has got a big leg up on Arizona State to where they almost become irrelevant because there's so much uncertainty, Mike. There's, there's so much up in the air, as you say, around this program it's hard to get a top recruit that's not from Arizona to come and play here. Yeah. And the fact that they don't recruit Arizona, I don't understand
1: that. I heard Michael Crow on the local radio uh, this late summertime, and he was, virg- he was begging the NCAA, rip the Band-Aid off. Let's go get Whatever it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, just, it. just give it to it. us. Just finish one way or another. Put us out of our misery. Right. And, and it, it may, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it turns out to, to, to the side of the equation that says slap on the wrist. You can overcome this. Maybe maybe we take a scholarship or two away. Maybe we, you know, give you, give you a little minor infraction penalty. The damage has been done, don't Mike. Well, it, clearly it's been done. This recruiting class, and unfortunately, and I think this is kind of the point that Michael Crow is making, this, this next year's class is no better. And, and you know, thank you. And I, let's, it all comes back to Kevin Sumlin for me. Well, okay. You can't put back-to-back-to-back to back to back bad recruiting classes out there. No, it kills the program. It kills the program. It kills it. So. All right, uh, that's going to do it. Wild, wacky weekend. We didn't even talk about Texas-Alabama.
2: A, a team that – back – Two, two that, coaches that, that know each other, and, and I think Steve Sarkeesian really wanted to beat Nick Saban, and okay. he, had, he yeah. had him right where he wanted him, Mike. Had him right where he wanted him.
1: Shout out to B. John Robinson, Tucson kid.
2: Man, he's a grown man.
1: Grown man. And people thought he was crazy. No. He said – Crazy like a fox. Well, he said he's sitting there in Tucson – he could have played anywhere. Absolutely. Like he, it's not like he was deciding between two offers. He could have played at Alabama. Sure. Could have played at Ohio State. Been one of ten. Could have played at USC. One of ten. Could have stayed home. Wow. Oh, God. Why? Um, he said, I am going to the University of Texas because they give me the best chance to go to the NFL. And people thought he was crazy. And look at him now.
2: I mean, he's a going Heisman drive, finalist. He's going to the NFL. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely going to NFL. He's going high in the NFL. And he's too. got a.
1: He's got some of the coolest NIL deals. Absolutely. He's got the Lamborghini of Austin. Wow. How, How
2: cool about is that? that? How about that? That's that's With a hard. Twenty-year-old kids, you got a Lamborghini. That's deal. a hard car to drive in Austin because there's a lot of hills. There's a lot of a lot of levels in Austin. So, I mean, it is it's cool to have, but man, I don't know. Like some of the parking may be a little tricky. Yeah, they, you don't know, have, they don't have, like, the a hills. Lamborghini
1: SUV, do they? No. I don't think.
2: Well, they might. I never I mean, shopped
1: a Lamborghini, strangely
2: no? enough. Yeah. No, G-Wagons. I know Porsche has one. I know yeah. a couple Mercedes has one. But I don't, I don't know about Lamborghinis. I, I was know. doing
1: the high school show, though, uh, recently, and I asked one of the writers from Tucson. I said, tell me. Like, he goes, he is the most down-to-earth. And he said, I've talked to him since he's been in Austin. Uh-huh. Down-to-earth, level-headed, yep. family. Uh, a kid with a very strong family Yep. and he said he will be just fine. Yep, He will be just fine. And he was on a podcast. Beautiful I didn't hear it, but like somebody that. brought it up. He was on a podcast and said, we don't talk about it when you're in the locker room because the question was like, how, how, do, how do you guys handle NIL in the locker room? We don't. I don't talk about my grades. I don't talk, I don't talk about NIL. We talk about football in the locker room. There you go. You know? Smart I mean, kids. I think at some point you know. Absolutely. You know what? It's public knowledge. Right. But you also know if, I'm, if I failed calculus and I'm in trouble, like so, but you don't necessarily talk about it. No. So I thought it was a good answer. and um, good
2: Smart answer. Wise beyond years answer. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that goes to the point. Good family, solid kid. and um, There's some pro guys that could take some cues yeah, from him. 100%. <laughs> All right, we'll step aside. On the other side, we do dad jokes. You ready to go?
2: I'm ready to go, brother.
1: I told the one from last week. I told it. Oh, yeah? and, uh, How'd it go? It, 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 it got the clap that Sean – so I like Sean it. gave it. I like it. It was good. So I think when, I got another one. When I when I can reuse your material, it's yeah. a good thing. DJ Collett, another one. All right, there we go. And then we do uh, some pump the brakes as well. That's coming up on Train and Gross. Welcome back in final segment, Train and Gross, episode eighty five. And uh, again, for context, we are recording this after the games on Sunday for Week One of the NFL, but before the monday night game well, so what during it, during the game it's right? 10 to 10 yeah but right we're not now. giving i literally was just going to say right
0: now as we speak there's 337 left in the first i'm half. it. i want to know 10 well it's 10 to 10 and seattle's driving so I there you
1: go know. Who, who wanted to know that <laughs> all right so we're, we're obviously we're recording it during the monday night game there you go whatever answers we give please those are the context for 10 what to 10 we do. thank you 10 to 10 mm-hmm. Anyway, Sean Crespin, take it
0: away. All right, so I'm going to give you guys some statements. You know how this works by now. I'll give you some statements from the world of sports. You tell me if you're pumping the brakes on it uh, or if you're going to roll with it. So yeah, uh, National Football League heavy, as you might expect, 20-7 to against the Dolphins. Looked like it was a very undisciplined football team. Offensively, there's zero direction whatsoever. You guys talked about the way the Patriots look, but Bill Belichick's 70 years old. If Mac Jones is injured, they win five games, four games. Is this the end of Bill Belichick in New England? Pump the brakes or not?
2: I'm pumping the brakes. Uh, I see six Super Bowls. I see eight Super Bowl appearances, nine Super Bowl appearances, and that, will, that kind of cachet will, will buy you at least five to ten years. It, it will because no other coach has that kind of cachet. There's not a single coach in the NFL currently that can say, as a coach, I coached one organization to nine Super Bowls in 20 years. And if you can't bring another coach in that can do that, why would you get rid of the one that's already here?
0: I
1: I, I disagree.
0: Well, It doesn't necessarily have to be Patriots, Robert Kraft moving on from Bill Belichick, but just you kind of look at the situation if you're Bill maybe even. Well, go, what are we doing? And we here? said that
1: about Pete Carroll, didn't we? Like yeah, you're 70. Plus, yeah. And their situations, the resume's not as strong for Pete Carroll, but their current situations are kind of similar. You know, and you, you you're coaching for teams that have had such high expectations and for the most part delivered results. And now you're kind of on the downhill side from the quality and caliber of your team at the age of 70. If you mm-hmm. said, well, like, it buys you five to ten years, that's great if you're Fifty-five years old, and you say I'm going to coach till I'm sixty-five, or maybe even seventy. Yeah, but, but if you are, 70, I don't. I don't see Pete Carroll wandering the sidelines when he's eighty years old. Okay, I, but, okay. Yeah, so that's all I'm. I mean, but it'll be his decision.
2: Oh, you know, yeah, it, yeah. In, in both cases, it's their decision. I'd agree with that. Right. Okay. So the thing that you have to do is, yes, they are both similar in age. Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are similar in age, but they are not the same. No. And. I'm saying that because I don't see Bill Belichick doing anything else other than coaching. Bill Belichick will coach till he's 80 years old because what else is he going to do? What else is Bill Belichick known for? What else is Bill Belichick interested in? We've, he is a football lifer. He is a man that has he has donated his whole life. the game of football if there is something that you want to find out about the history of the game go ask bill belichick he probably knows because he has studied everything he could possibly study about the game of football and i just don't see him giving that up in the next five to ten years and i think if he's not going to give that up i don't see robert Kraft trying to force him out the door fair point because
1: i don't yeah i agree with you on that point i agree with you won't be robert Kraft's decision. so he doesn't want
2: to leave and he doesn't want him to leave so
0: there we go. Uh, you called the NFC the JV earlier, and it to feels, the AFC, it, and yes. it feels that way. Uh-huh. Uh But pump the brakes or not, the best team in the JV is the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Pump the brakes, <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We just saw it. Tom Brady and company, and that was that was one of the first times in a long time that I saw Tom Brady actually get fooled. That 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 pick, where <clears throat> you saw uh, the, the the Cowboy. Over defender. the middle. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely fooled Tom yeah. Brady. And you could see Tom Brady was like, My fault, and fellas. He, and he kept my fault. Ball.
0: He kept the ball, too.
2: Kept it. Which, the which ball. I would. Yeah. Pick
0: off Tom Brady. Oh, absolutely. In the locker, please. Oh, nobody's locker, touching please.
2: that ball ever again, yeah. other than me and my son and my wife. <laughs> but, you know, that that's never going to happen uh, again. I, I just think Tom Brady, where he is at this stage in his career, he is locked in. The talent around him is just as strong. Julio Jones was a huge pickup for them. Yeah. Uh, and Mike Evans looks as good as he's ever looked, and, and even uh, playoff Lenny has become regular season Lenny.
0: And Julio didn't feel like just a guy that's there no. to be there, right? I mean, oh, they're, no. They're running no, no, end the no. rounds and utilizing oh, no. them all over. He was, he was part of the game plan. I guess, oh, he Bunker was absolutely
2: part of the game plan. And that's the thing that you love about a Tom Brady is that he's going to find whoever's open he's never been a guy that's been locked in on one guy right maybe you saw randy moss a couple of years you know more than a good few years reason. ago i mean but, but for good is. reason because yeah. he was going to catch it and all he had to do was throw it deep and he could but tom brady's career in the last 10 years have said he's going to get the ball to the open guy because he wants to win yeah
1: no i i agree um i was impressed i watched you know i was watching the red zone so i saw a lot of the vikings uh, and they do, they dominated the Packers, but I agree. I, I think it's it's still 1 and 1A yep. uh, that, that the Vikings are behind the, the Bucks right now. All yep. Right.
0: quick one-line statement here, pump the brakes or not. If you're Dallas, you have to trade for Jimmy G.
2: Pump the brakes. <laughs> no, I'm not trading for Jimmy G. I think about
1: it. I think you, I, I mean. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm pleading for it, aren't I? Yes. Uh, and I'm, what, if I'm Mark McCarthy, now whether or not he has enough clout left to make that request, because you saw, I'm, I am serious. When he saw that his quarterback was going to be out, I don't know that they knew the time frame, yeah. but when that trainer or doctor t- approached him on the field with the term about a grown man cry, he looked like, oh my God. And he knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, it's week one. Fortunately, there's options, and you've got to explore them all. I just don't know if Mike McCarthy has the clout to walk into the owner's room, the GM's office, whatever. I mean, who's
0: the backup right now? DiNucci? Cooper is, is uh, Rush? Rush. Cooper Rush there? Okay. Cooper Rush
2: is the guy. Who's there last Danucci year? was there. That's right, but, Cooper but, Rush. but here's the thing, though. If you bring in if you bring in a Jimmy G, Jimmy G has not – we, we, we kind of romanticized Jimmy G as – This guy that's been kind of wronged by the San Francisco 49ers, they won in spite of Jimmy G. Jimmy G was never the catalyst for that team that made those runs to the Super Bowl one year and then to the NFC Championship game last year. They did that in spite of Jimmy G. Jimmy G, if you go back through the playoffs last year, his stats were nothing to to write home about. I think he had, what, 200 yards passing in three games? So... I don't know why people get so caught up about Jimmy G and his record. That was a damn good football team for a lot of years. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has done a great job of assembling talent. He and 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 uh, you know everybody there has has done what they have needed to do. Him and John Lynch have yep. done everything that they needed to do to build this roster. But they went to Trey Lance for a reason. They couldn't wait to get to Trey Lance. And I think for, move for to get him, I mean move heaven and earth to get him. So. They've told you in so many ways that he's not the guy.
1: Well, and here's the thing. Like, you know, Cooper Rush, if you look at it, this is a guy, uh, you know, he's been with this team for going on four or five years now. So it's a guy they trust, obviously, and they had the opportunity to replace him. But I, I think, you know, if you're the Cowboys, talk about all the teams – that we discussed after week one. Mm -hmm. Obviously, some overreactions, but week one disappointments, week one teams that right now, I think if you're the Cowboys, you are moving past disappointment to desperation. Because this season very quickly will be lost. And again, whether it's fair or not, and whether or not he has the right to do this or not, that's the way they work down there. And it would be a desperation move. And you you might be right. Cooper Rush might be the better option, but, uh, you know, this is a general manager owner with an ego that thinks yeah. that whatever he touches he can fix. And so that would be a move that would do that. Whether yeah. or not it would
2: pay off or not. And so my thing is I don't disagree that they have to make a move. I just don't think Jimmy G is the option. I think if you go Huntley, I, I think you have to – If here's the thing about the Dallas Cowboys right now. They feel like – with the team that they have and with the pieces that are going to come back. Like, they're not at full strength, obviously. They don't have their receivers. They don't have their quarterback right now. They don't have their offensive linemen. So they feel like when they all get healthy and they're clicking on all cylinders, they're a playoff-caliber football team. So you cannot sit and stand pat if you've got a playoff-caliber team and you don't go and make a major move to say that we're trying to stay competitive because – they understand that they're probably going to get caught by the Philadelphia Eagles and and maybe even uh, Washington. No, uh, do no, no. Man, maybe? No. No? Okay. Do you think the Washington Commanders right now, pres- presently constituted, is a better team than the Cowboys? Presently constituted.
1: Well, now with the injury, yeah, yeah, Okay, they are. all right. So, all right, now you, you stand. You just know me and my aversion to saying anything good about the Washington. Oh, game. I'm with
2: you. I'm yeah. with you, and and the the, the football Giants too. Like, I, you know, I'm not gonna overreact to that game, yeah. week one win in in Tennessee. That's Tennessee's deals to some degree.
0: What's what's, but, what's, what's Sam Darnold doing these days? Sam Darnold's collecting he's a whole lot of in, money. He's on
1: injury list for Carolina. On, I don't know if he's on IR, but he's definitely Did not he playing. Did he hit
0: IR? I couldn't remember. I yeah. Don't, yeah, I knew he's not on a depth. Something
1: close. I just looked it up. Cooper Rush has played ten games over his five-year Dallas career. The five of them were last year. He had a quarterback rating of 105, but most of the job last year was handing the ball off because they don't let him throw it a lot. Mm. So if you're playing the Cowboys the next couple weeks, get ready to see. Put your big boy pants that, on. Get your big boy pants on and see if that offensive line's up to a grinded out type of game. That's what they're going to have to do. To your point. To keep their head above water until they get their quarterback back. If you're, if
2: you're, if you're Jerry Jones, you owe it to Diggs and you owe it to Parsons to go try to win. Staying pat with Cooper Rush, you're not, you're doing them a disservice. You're wasting a year of their career.
0: I'd agree with that. Uh, okay, so does this quote make you nervous? Considering you just paid somebody 230 million dollars to be the leader of your locker room. Quote, just practice habits, having a sense of urgency. We got to practice better. There's no doubt. You can't say you're going to do it on game day and not do it during practice. That's a quote from Cliff Kingsbury about his football team after yesterday's loss to the Chiefs. You just paid your quarterback $230 million to be a leader. Sounds like there's a lack of leadership. Am I overreacting on that? Yeah. Off I, the brakes or not. Well,
1: I don't know if that you're overreacting, but I don't put that all on the quarterback. I'm
0: not, I'm not saying necessarily the quarterback. Well, you said the
1: $230 million. That
0: needs to be a guy that should be in yeah. those situations.
1: But I go back to what I said earlier when we were talking about it. At least he was on the field. Like, you got a bunch of guys that are making a bunch of money that couldn't show up yesterday for whatever reason. You were suspended because you did something stupid. You own that. So you, were, you weren't carrying your end of the bargain. You got J.J. Watt, who didn't play a down in the preseason, who has a calf injury that precluded him from in the field. Rondell Moore.
0: But oh, we're some, talking about a team with bad habits. The head, well, coach, head at, coach
1: is saying you got bad habits. It starts at the top. But I was saying this is not. This is. To me, you can put whatever you want on the quarterback, but this is not a quarterback issue. Yeah. This is a, He showed up yesterday. Yeah. Was he perfect? No. no. The offensive line in front of him was bad, but this isn't a $230 million quote, but issue. But this
0: quote ain't about yesterday. This quote is about a – this I is know. from the head coach talking about in a locker room that's got, I understand bad, that, but you, got bad
1: habits. You, you but you prefaced it with $230 million. Right, because if I'm like, paying somebody $230 million, they're
2: going to be leading those habits. But he was there. He was there. Hey, like, my, yeah. Like, go ahead. No, you're right. My, my thing is attitude is a reflection of leadership Yeah, you're the one if you want to set the tone go set the tone don't talk to the media about this go do it because remember you Steve Kime and Kyler Murray all got extensions so every all three of y'all are on the clock yeah. right now and so you start talking about who's the blame and you start slicing that pie up if you're Steve Kline and, and, and you're Cliff Kingsbury, y'all better get y'all's fair, fair slice. Yep. Don't be, don't be trying to slim that slice up. Talking about, I'm watching my figure. No, you get that old slice that you deserve.
1: I, and I go back to me. You can Cliff, yeah, Cliff. Sure, he's 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 running practices. It? It's his team. Kyler, you are the he's head the coach. is the quarterback. Who bought them all? Who, who? You Con- knew what Cliff Kingsbury. You weren't hiring a disciplinarian when you hired Cliff Kingsbury. You can't see anything in his past. To say, okay, we're we're bringing a guy in to clamp down here, to tighten it up, to run a tight ship. That's not what
2: you hired, and that's not what he did. That's not how he, he never did that. He never handled himself that way. He always seemed, oh, thank you, we got Kyler Murray. Like he always seemed so grateful that we got Kyler Murray. The 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 power or the 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 leadership never was established because he always came in like the grateful coach who who was just happy to be there. I
1: I need to know, and I think I think we do it some of them. what... Why does, what is Michael Bidwell saying here by bringing Kime back year after year? Like, you see the failure. you see The way this roster is constituted, even if they would have practiced hard, not loving the roster the way it's put together. That defense is, is – it's, it's not a great defense. Mike, I think you say he loves the way Jerry Jones runs the Cowboys. Remember. And so, since he doesn't have his own
2: son, Steve Kime can fill the role of Stephen Jones to Jerry Jones. I mean, he <laughs> he can he can be told I, what to do. Because Steve Kime doesn't have much to go fall back on because he's been on thin ice for quite some time and we will never forget that video. Yeah. He's been with this organization
1: since 1999. Yeah. He's That's been a long the time. general manager since 2013. Yeah. It's been a long time. So, you know, you they know him. I still, I, I, still, I'm not.
2: That's a good and a bad thing.
1: I'm not going to go through all the draft picks, but.
2: Oh yeah, it's the first rounds, just the first round drafts. First picks. round misses and the the veteran versus rookie decisions and. I, you know he got a lot of credit for the kind time signs. You remember that they, they yeah. had that phrase, the kind time signs, yeah, every where two years, he's bringing in John Abraham, yeah. he's bringing in you know these these players that could. Uh, really, I forget the corner that he brought in that, that that. oh, uh, Antonio Camardi yeah. that, that, you know, really worked out for a year. I mean, you know, he brought in some guys that could actually do it, but his first round, his, his
0: draft picks Some of his trades have worked out pretty well Trades too. have
2: worked out. I mean, trade for Carson Palmer, that worked out really well. So they brought in pieces, but you build teams from the, the draft, draft and the draft has let him down and let this organization down year after year after year. Last year, you don't even have a first-round draft pick. You go and get Hollywood Brown and trade it, and you had all those people out at the great lawn, and I'm sure a lot of them were like, "Why were we here for this? To bring in a guy from your 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 plane, basically, yeah. your helicopter, and like, oh, this is our first-round pick. This is who, he he's he's more valuable than the first-round pick." I, I know a lot of people have to be saying, "Really? Yeah. Okay."
1: And you know, so so many, and again, week one, so many questions, but starts at the top here. I'm sorry, 2013. I'm going back and looking at it. We're not going to do all of them, but I'm looking at you, Josh Rose. I'm looking at you, Robert Condici. Oh, okay. All
0: right, we got one more that's more fun. You want yeah. to just jump to this? Yes, yeah. All uh, right, so if you listen to the program for any length of time, you know that we enjoy no flavor candles. We enjoy a, a cereal? Thrill, a donut or two before the show Ooh, starts, right? We yeah. didn't have that today, no, but usually it's something involved. Damn it. uh, some website called Thrillist. Thrillist.com. They ranked 24 classic donuts from best to worst. Okay. I want you to pump the brakes or not on their starting five. Okay. Okay. Coming in at number five, a favorite of our program, the apple fritter. Oh, it's
2: underrated. In at, at
0: number five,
2: can't go wrong with apple fritter. The
0: uh, the tagline next to it says the healthiest donut there is. It's
2: a whole apple in it. Whole every apple, apple fritter.
0: right in there. Uh, number four, raspberry jelly. Number three, um, Old Fashioned.
2: Yep, yeah, like, I know yeah. what that is. Those are the that's twists. Yep, yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: Number two, the Rainbow Sprinkles.
2: Anything with sprinkles, you miss me.
0: And number one, the Glazed Round Donut. The Traditional, the traditional, traditional glazed. Donut. That's their starting five as their top five. Are we pumping the brakes or not on that five? I'm pumping the
2: brakes on that On the that starting top five. five. What's missing? So you're missing the, the Chocolate Glazed. That's Yep. Yeah. Chocolate Glazed is delicious. You're missing Blueberry. Oh, Blueberry. You, you, how do you not have blueberry in the top five? You're also missing donut holes.
0: Blueberry's coming at number nine. Oh. Donut yeah. holes, though. Donut holes, number six, just outside the starting five. Sixth man of the year. Yeah. So if, if Donut
2: if holes have to be, they got to be bumped up. I scratch it and
1: I start. Apple fritter goes in the number one slot and then you build it <laughs> from there.
2: I, I put it number two. You can't go wrong with glaze. Traditional. That's
1: true. Want to hear something funny? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Karen, my wife, school principal, she had a uh, student of the month huh? uh, the assembly today. Okay. And she brings donuts in, but she was running late. She goes, You go get some donuts. So she usually goes to some other donut shop. I treated the kids. I went to Bosa. Had a okay. boy. Yep. And I said, Would you please give me two dozen mixed? Then I'm thinking to myself, You know, they put the ones in that nobody wants when they do Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, And give me a box of the glazed. Mm. And so she called me later. She goes, You know, there was a whole box of glazed in there. And I'm like, Oh, please be happy. Please be happy happy she goes the kids love those
0: i'm like yes (laughs) so
1: to your point you got you got to go with the glaze glaze is all right so number one glaze Glaze. two apple fritter and then blueberry absolutely you got to go blueberry is this donut holes after that chocolate cake donut though a cake donut with heavy chocolate on it
0: that came in chocolate frosted came in at number seven but
1: it's got to be cake not the not the uh
0: well chocolate cake came in at 21
1: chocolate cake with chocolate frosting i'll
0: kill it all right how about is, is this disrespect cinnabon coming in at 20. Cinnabon, man. Cinnabon's too too
1: much. Like I go into diabetic coma after like two (laughs) bites.
2: Yeah, cinnabon. I see people eating those at the airport,
1: and then you eat it, and then you sit on a long flight. Boston, Boston Cream, anybody? What's that? No, I can't do Boston
0: I, I Cream. Do Boston
1: no. Cream. No, no. Crumble,
0: I'm, Crumble Cake came in at number eight.
1: I'm okay, okay with jellies every now and again, but it's not my go-to. Raspberry? My
2: no. No
0: Plus
1: jelly. me, like, the jelly I'm the guy who's like, hey, guys, how would, so miss right me, down the front of my shirt. Miss you
0: know. me on the sprinkles, he said. Miss me on the sprinkles, too. No, no yeah. sprinkles.
2: When I was a kid, no maybe. Give me the donuts, man. My daughter's
1: volleyball team used to like to sprinkle donuts. Like that. I think that's the audience yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, no, you, right. miss, you miss me with sprinkles. There if we're doing the official donut list of the podcast, the, yeah. the Train and Girls podcast, mm-hmm. yeah. or the Sunbelt, oh, no, we're not doing it. Right. Right. It's got to be. It's got to be.
0: <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the pump. We're pump the brakes this week. All right, here we go. Uh, time for B Train's world famous, and I do mean world famous dad jokes of the mm-hmm. week. There is a grading system to this uh, this particular segment. B Train will deliver the dad joke, no matter what. He's going to get one of these. Mm. If, it's a, if it's a quality dad joke. You're gonna get the uh the applause. <laughs> hear the applause. If it's uh, above and beyond, we're all gonna tell our friends you get the standing up. Yeah, there you go. But there is that chance <coughs> if it doesn't land, you get the old prices right. Wah, 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 it's
1: giving you the side up. I know, it's
0: happened before though. Mm-hmm. So all right, here we go.
2: Here we go. All right, here we go.
0: <clears throat> what
2: did one ocean say to another ocean? What's that? Nothing. It just waved. I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like it. It's just terrible enough. The delivery was right on. I like it.
1: That's good stuff. It <laughs> just waved.
0: get, you get it? It gross. You get it because there's waves in the ocean. <laughs> That's
1: where the video comes into play. That's going to do it for episode 85 of Train and Gross. Appreciate you dialing in. Follow us on Twitter at Train and Gross. I'm going to put a Twitter poll question out there. Mm. Uh, with, donuts?
0: Uh, Start five? Not
1: donuts because there's way too many. But I'm going to ask the question that we kicked around a little bit and you and I disagreed on, so that makes mm. it better uh, theater. Mm. Uh, division games in week one of the oh, NFL yeah. season, love them or hate them? Okay. And so we encourage you to go check us out on Twitter, training Gross, vote on that poll. That's right. And we'll talk about it again next week. For B-Train, for Sean and Mike Gross, we'll see you next time on Training Gross.
2: We'll holler.